Among other things, the recent terror attacks have rekindled familiar debate about the proper balance between national security and personal liberties. Andy Rosenthal is back with us today. Andy oversees the Times editorial coverage and has been a long-standing champion of civil liberties. And he's here to weigh in on the latest debate about how best to balance increased security interests with American freedoms. I'm Susan Lehman. Hi, Andy. Susan, hi. We're glad to have you. Better safe than sorry. What's wrong with having, with erring on the side of caution when we're talking about serious threats like we're now facing? Primarily because it's an entirely false choice. There is no evidence whatsoever that the mass collection of metadata on your telephone calls and my emails and your daughter's telephone calls to my emails has produced a single solitary lead toward stopping any terrorists from committing anything. The government can't point to it. Members of Congress have said this repeatedly. It's an invasion of privacy and a violation of our constitutional rights. That is not about keeping us safer. It's a waste of time. So very often this balance is that we're presented with this choice, and I think mostly it's a propagandistic way of getting what they want. The, the argument over the refugee program in the United States is a perfect example of this. Say more. Well, the United States has agreed to take 10,000 refugees who were displaced by the conflict in Syria and Iraq. This is 0.0025% of the population of displaced people. The number is trivial. It's a national disgrace that it's so small, in my view. These are all high-priority refugees, as designated by the UN High Commission on Refugees. They have been screened multiple times by the UN. 2% of them are men, single men of fighting age. They are primarily families, sometimes multi-generational families, lots of old people, women and children. Before they will be admitted, these people are not in the United States. They're not coming off of boats on the shore in Long Island. And uh, before they're admitted to the United States, they will be screened by the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, the CIA. They'll be subject to questioning by people who are experts in detecting falsehoods. Their documents will be put through a document forgery process. It takes up to two years, the, between 18 months and two years. The idea- and Where are the refugees during the two-year period? They're in camps in other parts of the world where the UN has refugee camps. Let's go back for a second and talk about what rights we're talking about and what security measures, because Certainly. we're lumping together. We're talking about borders. We're talking about due process. We're talking right. about free speech. We're talking about lots of... Well, all those things are lumped together. I mean, there's the idea of letting people in the United States is more about what American values are than they are about constitutional rights, although they're not unconnected since we have these things in our constitution about human rights. These, <laughs> these little tiny references to, you know... And then there was that all men are created equal thing, which doesn't really seem to be operational anymore. The issue with surveillance has to do with our Fourth Amendment rights primarily, which protects us against un unlawful search and seizure. There's a lot that's being said about this that is what we've, we've had this debate before multiple times. A, this, when the CIA director comes out and talks about how the hand wringing over the Constitution has hampered their investigations, there are two things wrong with that. One is he's lying, and he knows he's lying. He's lied before, multiple times, and his boss, Clapper, lied under oath to the United States Senate 
about these, these very issues and, shockingly enough, was not prosecuted. But the other thing about that is that it's just simply outrageous for the director of the CIA two days after a terrorist attack to be going out and telling the American people propaganda lines that are designed to terrify them. I'm voting for the the either the real or the fictitious British system in which we don't know who the director of the CIA is. We'll call him C. So is there (laughs) any connection between any of the metadata that was received during the kind of surveillance and interception you're talking about and any leads to terrorism? According to the United States Senate and according to everything that we've been able to glean from the intelligence agencies, none whatsoever. And does the attack in Paris make any difference? The French seem very eager to give up all kinds of liberties in the state of emergency that the president there declared. The French don't have the same civil liberties we have. No country in Europe has them, not even the British. They have way more invasions of privacy. They have far greater restrictions on free speech. They have far less control on government um, invasion of privacy. They're very concerned about corporate invasion of privacy. They're much tougher with Google and Facebook than we are. But their governments – in France, there are people who are both investigator, prosecutor, and judge all rolled into one person. They call them investigative judges or something like this. They just simply don't have the same system we have. One of the problems is the free travel across the European continent. Well, we have that too. It's called the United States of America. You mean all those states? Yeah, you don't have to show a passport to go from New Jersey to New York, although you know some people think you should, but you don't have to. So we have that. It's not the problem is not open borders. The the, the problem is none of the concepts. The problem is execution. There's a lot of evidence in this case that the police work didn't rise to prevention, and that's very hard to do. You know, there's particular questions about the Belgian government. I mean, my God, they knew who the guy was. They were trying to kill him in in one of these conspirators. It's not like they had no clue that people were entering their country. And also, let's remember that there is no proof and only very indirect, tantalizing evidence, but no proof that there is any connection whatsoever between the influx of refugees into Europe and these terrorist attacks. There was a passport that was found at the scene of one of these things that may or may not have belonged to one of the killers and that it matched a Syrian passport in terms of the identity and stuff that had been registered at the Serbian border uh, for a refugee. But we have absolutely no idea whether it's the same passport or whether it was the same person. There's a huge black market in um, in those kinds of things. And I asked somebody yesterday, an extremely high-ranking security person in the United States, about this. And his answer was, I have seen nothing that proves that that passport, that there was any connection between the refugee movement and this killing. The kids, horrifying, disgusting crimes that were committed in Paris. So we're once again overreacting to something that is it may or not be relevant. And the American politicians are shameless in their manipulation of our fear and of our xenophobia, which is intense in this country now. But I think you hit on it when you said may or may not be connected. And I think the question that scared people, including people who are not ideologues, might say is, well, we don't know if there's a connection or not. So why not err on the side of safety? Well, Give we up a little liberty and be a little safer. We don't know if there's a connection. I mean, A, one should find out before one gives that up liberties, which are very hard to get back. I mean, the idea that the CIA feels hampered by the law, I would laugh about it, and I often do laugh about it if it wasn't so sad and tragic. The fact of the matter is they haven't given a rat's patootie about the law from day one. 
They were violating the law first. They, then they were violating the Patriot Act. Then they were violating the amended Patriot Act. And also this program that we supposedly shut down, that's the only one that we know about. Lord knows what other programs there are. It's just... It's just none of it's true. Edward Snowden's name has come up a little it bit. It has. What would you like to say about Edward Snowden? Is there any connection between his disclosures and anything that has gone on in I recent days? I can't say there's no connection. Well, there's a connection in the sense that people see his governments use his disclosures as having you know, made them, made them more vulnerable. And one should ask a question when the government says something, any government is this actually true? And often it's not, right? So is their saying that, you know, the Snowden papers made it impossible for us to prevent this attack actually true? Or is it just an excuse that they're using because an attack happened? And we don't know how many attacks were prevented, right? And when you press them on this, by the way, even since Snowden, they will tell you, you don't know what you're talking about. You can't imagine how many terrorist attacks we've prevented. Well, so how can both of these things be true? How can it be true that Edward Snowden's revelations made it, were the reason that terrorists can now attack Paris and at the same time be true that they've been stopping all these terrorist plots that they just can't tell us about? Those two things just can't be true at the same time. My point here is, is that before we make, we concede gigantic parts of our civil liberties and remember to people that are going to be criticizing me and who may be ideologically opposed to me on say guns you don't want the government taking away your guns right because that imposes on your second amendment rights and the argument is made in in the name of security we need to have fewer guns right so now we're saying in the name of security we should have people searching our homes and you know okay so maybe you're not whoever's listening to me right now you're probably not a terrorist at least i'm hoping you're not but they're still going to search your damn home. And when it's possible for them to search, they will search. You give the government powers, they will use them. Let's talk about history for a second. What have we learned from recent incidents in which the government has strengthened its power at the expense of individual liberties? Let's say the Patriot Act. Well, I think you said it exactly right. The government has strengthened its power at the expense of individual liberties. And to our knowledge, it has not been of any use to national security. It has not made us safer. I remember asking once a very senior person, it was off, it was off the record, so I can't say, a legislator who's since retired, but who was involved with intelligence for his or her entire career. And I said, is there anything that the intelligence agencies have done since 9-11 that they could not have done under the pre-existing laws? And she said, no, not one thing. So we didn't have to change the laws to free them up. That's bogus. And one thing that happened when we did, as you've written about, is that we created a separate system of justice for Muslims. And I gather that yes. is a big part of your problem with any kind of talk that has to do with uh, curtailing liberties. Absolutely true. Anti-Muslim xenophobia is at a fever pitch, and so as is fear. And Donald Trump said that all Muslims should be registered. And I'm not, I just, I just wrote about this on our blog. I was wondering, and he, he was asked where, and he said different places. And I was wondering just rhetorically whether that might include a railroad yard at night in the dark with, in the rain with German shepherds herding people around. He was asked, is there a similarity to what the Nazis did with the Jews? And his response was, you tell me. So, okay, fine. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, it's exactly the same. No difference <laughs> at all. And remember, the Nazis claimed that the Jews were a threat to their national security. It's the same thing. Is your problem that 
In times of insecurity, ideologues seize upon natural fear and use it to discriminate against all of us and threaten our liberties. What's your problem here? That's fundamentally my problem. My problem is that, first of all, that politicians seize on fear and insecurity to promote themselves and to win high office and to get contributions of hundreds of millions of dollars from extremely wealthy backers, which is disgusting in my view. They use our insecurity to um, rewrite laws that favor large corporations. They use our insecurity to rewrite laws that favor government surveillance. And what we're giving up is enormous. You know, I've lived in totalitarian, under, in a country that was run by a totalitarian government, the Soviet Union. I lived there. I lived in Poland as a child. Americans have no idea what this is about. We've never suffered it. Once you allow this kind of, of un, unfair and unreasonable search and seizure, there's no limit to it. And if you don't think that it would be used against you, then you're just naive. What's the worst case scenario or the worst example you can pull from the history books? There's so many. The internment of Japanese citizens during World War II, the registration, ghettoization, and extermination of Jews, Catholics, gay people in Europe in the mid-20th century, the extermination of tens of millions of Soviet citizens by Stalin. And let's remember, by the way, that when we talk about, oh, we don't actually want to hurt these immigrants, we just want to deport them, mass deportation is the classic tool of genocide. The Armenian genocide by the Turks was about mass deportation. The slaughtering of the Kulaks in Russia was about mass deportation. It's how you do it. How you do it? How you do what? You com- you s- one of the best ways of committing genocide is by taking large populations oh, of people them. and forcing them to move from one place to another because they starve and get sick and die along the way. The Trail of Tears, the deportation of, of Native Americans from Florida was genocide. Amherst College is named after the man who committed the Small first punks. known act of bio-warfare by distributing smallpox-infested blankets to Indians. The, the history of this is enormous, and it's always directed against individuals who, and who are seen at the time as being fair game. And right now, it's fair Muslims. Game is... Muslims. Is there any instance in which you think it's okay to give up liberties? Yeah, of course there is. I don't mind being searched before I go on an airplane. I think that's fine. You glad to take your boots off? I'm perfectly happy to take my boots off. And if you want to spend the money and take the time, you can get a little card to not take your boots off. I don't mind that. I don't mind going through a screening when I go into even a museum. It's fine. I don't mind. I'm not carrying weapons. You know, this is a good example of fear, okay? So the city of Houston passes a law that basically provides protections for everybody. Okay, Houston is not exactly, you know liberal Montclair, you know, and then it gets thrown out and it gets thrown out by the voters in a, in a vote that in which people spent millions of dollars on a campaign that suggested that people were changing their gender to female for the purpose of going into ladies' rooms and attacking women. Oh, that's such a good way to go it's into a ladies' room to It's just moronic. Women. The fact of the matter is, is that men have been sneaking into ladies' rooms to commit sexual assault since ladies' rooms existed, and as far as I know, none of them was wearing a dress. Terrorism is a real threat. You'd have to be crazy not to think so. I think so. It scares the bejesus out of me. I remember telling my kids about 9-11. They were six and three. It was really hard, and now they're going through this in Paris. Uh, oh, by the way, and in Beirut, and oh, by the way, and in Sinai, and in, oh, by the way, now in Mali. It's not you know just about Paris. 
But we live in a time in which fear is the primary lever that our political leaders use to control us, and we have to fight back. Okay, give us an example in the current campaign, because we have a very good example in the way that the candidates have responded to Paris, Beirut, Mm -hmm. elsewhere. Fear. Well, they haven't responded to Beirut. They don't care about that. They just care about Paris. Fear. Muslims are bad. We have to register Muslims. Fear. We have to stop refugees, little children, from coming into our country. Fear. You can't have transgender women using your bathroom. Fear. They're trying to take your guns away. Fear. Immigrants are taking away your jobs. Fear. When black people say their lives matter, the implication is that your life doesn't matter. These are all instruments of fear that are being used to control the minds of the American people. And in your view, an appropriate response to the kind of fear that these attacks inspire is what? Sensible, careful response, and it's also not giving in to the demands of the terrorists. And the demands of the terrorists is that we all stop being democratic nations with Western values. And they hate it. And when we do this, they win. Listener, Andy Rosenthal is waving a flag and standing tall for American freedom right here now. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm Susan Lehman for Times Insider. Thank you very much.